Welcome to the My Buddy Green podcast. I'm Jason Wachab, founder and co-CEO of My Buddy Green, and your host. Erin Brockovich is a force and an icon, so it is an honor to have her on the show today. She is the president of Brockovich Research and Consulting and the founder of the Erin Brockovich Foundation, a nonprofit aimed to educate and empower communities in their fight for clean water. And she's also the creator of the BrockovichReport.com substack, which you're going to want to subscribe to. Now, you probably already know Erin from the 2000 film titled Erin Brockovich, starring Julia Roberts as Erin Brockovich. But today, we're going to chat about her amazing book titled Superman's Not Coming, Our National Water Crisis, and What We the People Can Do About It. Erin, welcome. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good morning. Good afternoon. So I am going to start with your incredible must-read book, Superman's Not Coming, which took an unadulterated look at the national water crisis, and crisis it is, it is indeed from chemical spills and factories behind it to the severe health complications that ordinary regular people are facing because of it. And you are a household name to many, but to others, you're a new name. And so can you fill us in about how you first got involved in this crisis and why? Well, boy, where would I even begin? So... I first got involved or people might have began to recognize my name after a film came out in the year 2000 starring Julia Roberts called Aaron Brockovich. And it was about a small town in Hinckley, California that had been poisoned by a giant utility. They were all on well water and they got sick and I happened to be working at a law firm and I went out there and met the original, I'm going to speak up and speak out, Roberta Walker. We could have a great conversation about moms and when they're on alert and when they're pissed off and when they feel their children are threatened. And especially when they get together, they become quite a force, but that was Roberta And I didn't come in and she didn't come in. Really, none of us knew what was going on. But things that were going on around us seemed odd. The water was green. That was odd. Frogs did have two heads. That was odd. The cows were covered in tumors. That was odd. The wildlife was absent which was odd out in this high desert. There was no bunnies. There was an absence of birds. The trees were visually dying. And so there was this scenery in front of us that wasn't right. But nobody was talking, really, because if you say one thing to another about something like that, they're like, you're crazy. There's no green water, two-headed frogs. Believe me, I've heard that a thousand times myself. But it became this feeling that we all had. And this is something that I talk about a lot. It's common sense. Science is going to back us up here on this one. Your gut is your second brain. And we oftentimes don't listen to it. So here I came in as a novice and I started a job at a law firm because I needed a job. I was a single mom. Something didn't feel right. 
it certainly didn't look right and it didn't sound right. And once Roberta and I met and got to talking, and then we started talking to other neighbors and other neighbors, we all realized, unbeknownst to the other person, that they were experiencing a very similar health effect. So one step led to another, to more digging, to the water board, to uncovering up lies, to the fact that there was a known hexavalent chromium, a very toxic chemical that was in these people's water. That was kind of a long opening, don't you think? No, well, it was a great opening because <laughs> it's it, it's a powerful story. And so it's 20 years later. So in 2021, what hasn't changed or has changed with regards to toxins and pollutants? What do everyday people need to know about toxins and pollutants that are found in the U.S. water supply today? What they need to know is they're real. They need to know that we've been, this has been a long journey. I began my work in Hinkley when I was 31. I'm now 61. And I think the conversation is more relevant today than it was then. I think it's more relevant today than when the movie came out. And not that much has changed. I think what's happening is we're really waking up and being able to see where the cover-ups were, what we didn't know. And this brings me to a point, I wrote a book that came out during COVID called Superman's Not Coming. It is about our national water crisis, but it's about what we, the people, can do about it. And I think that for a lot of reasons, we assumed that agencies and oversight would in fact be taking care of any water pollution issue that we had. And we were comfortable in that. And we got complacent with that. And there's not a lot of change happening, which is why I wrote the book, Superman's Not Coming. No one's going to magically come just give you all the truth about what the heck's gone on out there because it's a lot of cover-ups. It, it's a lot of kicking the can down the line, thinking a next administration will do it, thinking, uh, well, nobody's going to find this, so let's find ways to cover it up. Let's not put safety and truth on the upfront. Let's kick that way down the road. And that's where we are today. Way down the road, the can's gotten kicked too long. And like I said, when you and I were chatting before I, I came on, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. I can sit back here and blame anybody and everything for what's gone on. This didn't happen yesterday or overnight. This has been going on for decades that kicked the can down the line. We didn't want to listen and we, we don't want to believe. I, I've dealt with communities across this country and around the world that it's a shock. Wait a minute. You mean someone new? You mean someone didn't fix it? You mean someone didn't say something? Now I'm sick, my child's sick, the, that this is a, a pollution that's going to deteriorate my land value, my home. That's exactly what happened in Hinckley. We don't want to believe this. And it's hard 
So where we are today is, believe it, it's hard to decipher the truth, especially today, because everywhere we go, there's division. There's so many news sources coming in that you often don't know what to believe. But this is where I say you have to go back to exactly where we started in Hinckley. Observe what's going on around you. Don't be afraid to ask a question. Don't be afraid to show up at a city council meeting. Listen to that gut, that second brain that you have. It's never wrong. And I learned as a child to follow that. And this is where I said earlier, moms are keen about this. I have seen a rise of moms across this country. And don't think or feel that you have to be, and this stuck out with me when I was doing my work in Hinckley. I still get it today. You're not the doctor. You're not the lawyer. You're not the scientist. You're not the politician. I don't profess to be any of that. But here's what I can tell you. You don't have to be any of that to know that something's wrong with your child, that there's something wrong in the neighborhood, that there could be something wrong with the water. And you don't have to have that pedigree, if you will, to speak up, speak out, show up, share information, and you might actually be surprised at what you find. So it's daunting. Uh, I've been doing this on the ground for 30 years. I now am a grandmother of four. I worry about their future. I feel like we're in a shit show. But if we're going to be in that shit show, don't get stuck in throwing the shit backwards. Let's take what we got and figure out how we're going to move forward in addressing these issues. I do talk about that in Superman's Not Coming, and we bring up Cape Town, South Africa. The whole world knew they were going to hit day zero. No water. We're hitting that today in this country. And what they did and how they diverted it was by A, accepting it. This is real. This could be happening. How will we work together, not as just agencies in a government, but the people? Where do we make sacrifices? Where do we agree we will have to ration to get to a point where we will continue to have water. And that's exactly what they did. And here, all this arguing isn't getting us anywhere. And for me, seeing is believing. I have always said climate change should be renamed because you can't see climate, really, right? So you can't grab or see the air. And I feel that's what people think climate change is. Climate change is going to be something you're going to be able to see and you're seeing it now. And that will be water events. That will be more hurricanes, more floods. New York has just recently experienced this. There will be less water to no water. California is clearly experiencing that. And so here we are, and now is going to be the moment 
where we can shift tracks, accept it, and start being prepared for it. I was honored when the film came out back in 2000 to get the Julius B. Richmond Award from Harvard, from the School of Public Health. What I went away with from that honor and having an opportunity to be in a room and hear from them is the motto to be prepared. And that's something we didn't do. And we have that chance now. What's the worst thing that's going to happen if you're prepared and the hurricane never comes? Awesome. It didn't come. What's the best thing that's going to happen if you're prepared and it does happen? You're prepared. So how are we going to change our infrastructures, work together, change a mindset, stop the blame, stop the finger pointing, deal with what we have and alter our behavior as well. Where are we going to make those sacrifices? So moving forward, we have water because I'm telling you without it, I don't need to say this, it's game over. Right. So well, well, well said, a lot to unpack there. And, and before we move on to what to do, because we need to have a plan and we believe in empowering people, uh, and moving forward, I, I do want to touch on safety. Can you talk a little bit more about the health consequences of unsafe water? And then beyond being a very odd color, how do we know if our water is safe? That's a really good question. That takes us back to we want, we have set up a system that was to be in place to make assurance and it's been corrupted or forgotten about or just not dealt with over a in decades. So if you look at the chemical right now, if we come current day, because a lot of people wouldn't know about Chrome 6, the firefighting foam in our water, the PFOA, the Teflons, the firefighting foam, it's just degraded our water supply across this country. And people are just now learning about it. But agencies knew about it 25 years ago. They were warned. And science is takes time. You, you, you can't just take one of these chemicals and figure out what it's going to do in the future or not without studying it, but it takes a long time. So for the best way for me to explain this is that one chemical that is the largest emerging contaminant in our water supply today, which is PFOA, PFOS, PFAS. So it's Teflon, it's firefighting foam, it's Scotchgard, it's all of those things. First of all, when an agency gets notification of a chemical like that, that it could be a problem Right there, I'm often surprised that we're like, oh, okay, so we'll keep our eye on it. You, the manufacturer, telling me it's going to be a problem. We'll set a guideline, if you will, not knowing anything about it other than it's toxic, but you're going to let it into the marketplace anyway. For me, that's safety first. That's where I stop, and I'm like, wait a minute. Why don't you kind of show me first before... I, as an EPA official, let you put this into the marketplace, what the hell it actually does. 
but we don't do that. I think it's ass backwards if you ask me. What we need to do on the upfront is you're going to show me a study of what that chemical can or can't do in the water or to public health and welfare first. We figure that out last. So this chemical that is now the largest emerging contaminant in our water today has been here lurking and silently polluting and poisoning all of us for decades. So the agency decides to set a guideline and over time commissions a study to find out what this chemical that you've now just dumped everywhere uh, in unlined uh, ponds, you dump it at night down the rivers, the creeks, the tributaries, it gets deep water injected into the aquifer, it's always going to find its way somewhere. They've commissioned and finished a study that came out, I believe, finally in 2015, 2016, that concluded, Houston, we have a problem. This chemical actually hurts you. This chemical can actually cause cancer and thyroid disease and high blood pressure cholesterol and a plethora of some other issues. So now we're really in it because we're like, uh-oh, what are we going to do now? We're going to rush out and set some guideline, not even knowing what levels can or can't harm you. And then you make some announcement that this chemical is a problem. And then I get the emails from the communities who are like, well, my gosh, I just got noticed from the municipality that this has been in my water supply. Is this why I lost my child to thyroid cancer? Is this why I have kidney disease? It, it's just mind blowing. So you ask a question, how do you know if your water is safe? I'll keep going back to again, don't assume. It, it, in your tap water situation, and in the book, what I love about the book, and I'm gonna keep going back to Superman's not coming, is how communities responded to that. If you're taking a shower every day and nothing's wrong, and then suddenly, you're showering and you smell too much chlorine or your skin starts to develop a rash or your eyes are watering or your scalp is itching. You can bet there's been a change to your water and there's a whole host of reasons why that change may be occurring. Call your municipality. You should be getting municipal water quarterly reports of what is or isn't in your water talk to your neighbors. And if in fact there's a problem or you're not getting any answers and it continues, people don't go to their own local city council. And I encourage them to show up. This idea that there's some huge oversight that will trickle down to us and give us everything we need to do and make it right might be good in theory, but that's not what's happening. It will begin in your own backyard with you, your neighbors at your own city council. And imagine if every single one of us, the minute we had a water problem, followed that kind of protocol across this country, we might start finding more answers. We could be more protective, more understanding. We could begin to implement local ordinances, local changes. By way of example, Hannibal, Missouri. It's in the book. A group of women contacted us. They had led in their water, in some points of the distribution system that were higher 
than the lead levels we had seen in Flint, Michigan. These moms were like hell to the now because now we had all seen what had happened in Flint. So they started forming a, a group, 5, 10, 15, 20 women. They made it their job to understand how and why lead got into their water. It happened because they started adding ammonia to the system. And, and I can come back and revisit that and explain what happens. The water becomes corrosive. They had lead pipes. Let's talk about infrastructure. And those are the kind of changes that we have to make. But because of the change to the water and it became corrosive, all the lead leached into the distribution system and was being delivered to the tap. They did not have PhDs. They were not medical doctors or scientists. They were moms. Something was wrong. Their children were sick. They made it their business to understand what was happening and to inform their community. And that's precisely what they did. And they would go to city council. The more they knew, the more active they got, the more that got involved. One plus one equals two, right? But one plus one can actually equal a thousand or more. And you can start making a change. What happened here with these ladies was fascinating because when they hit a spot that they felt they couldn't get any further with this, we had told them to run for city council. They knew more about this now than we did. And they did, and they won. And what had happened was they put out a vote to the town. Do you want to continue to have ammonia in your system, yes or no? Well, see, now the town knew, so... They all voted and unanimously it was no, we don't want any more ammonia. Long story short, they implemented a law and it's passed and they are no longer using ammonia. They now know where the problems are. They've dealt with their infrastructure and they have lead-free water. But that didn't come because they took no action. It, it really will be rolling up your sleeves at, at your own backyard level. It's I can't come out and save the world. Uh, none of us can. And we shouldn't start out wanting to just do that when you can effectively and successfully make and implement one change in your own backyard. I, I love that. And I think this idea that you don't have to PhD, be a PhD, you could be a mom, you could be anybody and just show up at your city council is empowering. I'm going to segue to consumer behavior shopping because we vote with our dollars and there are so many choices when it comes to food, cosmetics. I think clothing is catching up in terms of natural materials like cotton, mm. uh, biodegrades and wastewater. It doesn't contribute to microplastics, which is a huge problem because when synthetics are wa washed, microplastics in the oceans, we don't need to go there. It's a god awful problem. Another thing you're shopping, you, you know, clothing, for example, buy something you love. I think there was this crazy stat I came across the other day where the average person wears a piece of clothing seven times before discarding it. That's insane. So my question to you is, <laughs> I don't like, it's insane. I'm sitting here in a pair of ripped off, cut off shorts. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say I think I've had for 10 years and probably worn 7,000 times. Well, God bless you. That's the way it should be. But I'm curious, with regards to 
making more sustainable shopping choices that can positively impact the water crisis. Like what else can we do in your opinion with regards to shopping and voting with our dollars? Oh, there's so much you can do. I mean, I've always been super conscientious of these things because I have so many allergies, but take advantage of these iPhones and Google that we can't seem to live without and read the next time you're in the store and you want to pick up your favorite product or skincare line or anything like that. Look at the ingredients. And I have spent hours in stores thinking, first of all, I can't even pronounce it. Second of all, what the hell is that? You can even take your phone and and hover over that name and a definition comes up and you're like, oh, wow, that's a poison. I mean, so inform yourself and make a decision. Here's the thing that I think happens. Oftentimes, I get it. It happens to me all the time. We're afraid to even go, what the hell is that? Because, you know, somebody's going to go, what, you don't know what that is? Well, oh, really? And you know what that is? We, I don't know that we always don't want to, we, we want to be informed, but we don't want to sit there and say, what the hell is that? That's one of the first things that I've learned to do. And I learned to do that back as a child. I'm a dyslexic. So... I kind of knew that I knew, but everybody else would question it. And instead of just pushing up on that, I'm like, okay, well, what the hell does it mean? I mean, I wasn't afraid to tell you, someone says hexvalent chromium. I'm like, what the hell is that? We don't let our guard down enough or, or want to be vulnerable enough to know, you know what? I don't know, but I'm going to find out. I'm not sure, but I'm going to ask. So when you're in the store, Use your phone and Google to find out what that is. And even if you aren't even sure, don't be afraid to ask and and just not assume. I think that's really important. And if we wake up to realize the damage we've done, how is it that I as just one person can better protect myself? Whether it be my water, then you can learn about water. You can learn about filtration. If it's clothing, you can learn what is more sustainable, what is a a safer bet that's less destructive to the environment, to even looking at your Tide Pods. Remember when that thing came out and all the little pellets were getting into the water and the problems and looking at how do I want to change my detergent? It, It will be about you informing yourself. It will be about you asking those questions. It will be about you not assuming. And it will really be about you not being afraid to say something because somebody else is going to think you're silly or wrong or tell you don't talk about it anymore. You're going to have to really get intact. This is about knowing yourself, realizing who you are, Uh, assessing that. And if there's things that you're afraid of, don't be afraid to step ahead of that fear and don't be afraid to say, I'm afraid and own yourself, own your fears, own your shortcomings. When you do, it helps you open up to the strengths that you have. Stand with yourself and just keep moving forward with everything that you're learning because you're asking questions, you're getting involved, finding out what's happening to others understanding the environment is in serious peril and what steps you can take at a personal level that will not only better your life, but can help in the future 
of how we're going to take better care of this planet and do things more sustainably and stay away from the things that can harm us. And that will only happen when we take charge of ourselves, our life, our health, our backyard, and not assume that somebody else is going to do that for you. Right. Also, I've embraced this idea of simplicity, which has helped me with regards to shopping. You brought up a great point. Do I understand the label? You know, for me, it's simplicity. I'll have my organic spinach, if you will, my my non-toxic deodorant, which I'll do some Googling to find out what ingredients are in there. Obviously, the, the ingredients, you actually know what they are. It makes it a lot easier. And then you, every once in a while, come across an ingredient. You say, what what the hell is that? I wear, wear the same cotton t-shirts every day. Just like this idea of simplicity. So I'm going to I'm going to segue to water consumption. I thought this was fascinating where you've said the average American uses nearly 100 gallons of water every day. That sounds like a very big number to me. I'm curious, what's a more acceptable number and, and how can we all do better with our everyday water consumption? Well, you know. That's a good question. And it depends, you know, a lot of municipalities will like here in California, we're getting water allotments now. So it, because we've got this drought condition, which is just going to get worse, but we just take it for granted watering our lawn every day. That might not get to water your lawn every day. Might get to water it once a week. How, and I'm doing that right now throughout my yard is planting things that would often require less water in a climate where we're obviously dry. We forget Southern California is a desert and planting cactus and things like that. Landscaping with more rock that requires less water, less watering, not being able to wash your driveway off when it's dry and dusty and windy, but rather sweeping. We've talked about this way back in the day when the film came out. If anyone hasn't seen it, it was before its time. And I was a part of that is called The Last Call at the Oasis. And they were spot on that this was coming and here we are. But, you know, not flushing the toilet every single time. You blow your nose or something and throw the tissue in the toilet and flushing, flushing. These are little things. Hand washing in a sink with an X amount of water for the day as opposed to running a dishwasher. If you take a bath, don't fill the tub all the way up. Shorten your showers. There's all kinds of little ways that we can scale back that we don't even think of. And I've been careless with it sometimes myself as well. And um, making note, wow, I, I need to be more conscientious. Turn the faucet off, don't leave it running. If you're going to take a bath, don't fill it all the way up. Take a quick shower. I'm not going to get to water my lawn as often. Rethink your garden. Rethink your landscaping. I'm seeing more and more people out here just using turf as landscape, using rocks, using all these amazing, glorious cactus, all of these things that require less water. Don't do laundry every single day. Make a laundry day. And so we have to, like we talked with Cape Town, be cooperative in and in some instances being uncomfortable because we just take it for granted. We turn on the tap, we're going to let it run all day, and we're going to have all kinds of water. We're going to have to implement changes and actions in our own home. And those are just a few of them. So whether it's social media, the news cycle, or the weather channel, uh, there, there, it can be pretty scary and, and overwhelming. 
but you stay hopeful in the book. What reasons can you give our listeners to also stay hopeful in this time of this time that can be pretty scary with regards to what's happening with the crazy weather we're experiencing, the droughts, the unsafe water? There's a lot to be upset about. Oh, there is. I'm upset every day. COVID has changed things. The, the climate's going to change things. I have to, if I keep pushing and pushing against it, it just seems to get more and more daunting for me and I feel less and less hope, is to disengage for a moment, to disconnect, stop fighting the upstream and kind of not go with the flow because I don't typically go with the flow, but to be still for a moment. And stillness doesn't mean silence, but if you can just be still for a moment and I find myself when I'm overwhelmed, I, to reconnect to the ocean, to reconnect to being still in my backyard and actually noting, oh my gosh, was that an owl hooting? (laughs) Oh, wow. That life is around you. It is thriving. It isn't all gloom and doom. And reconnect to yourself. That's what I think has happened. I worry because we've disconnected for our our environment, we've lost ourselves. How we get through this is to find yourself and to forgive yourself. Maybe I made a wrong decision. Maybe I used too much water. Maybe I didn't listen. But to forgive yourself for that and how can I be better going forward? That's the hope. And to my hope was really waning eight years ago. I really thought I was I was just done. And then I literally caught my first granddaughter being born. See, and that was the hope. And I realized, you know what? See, this storm will pass. And the hope is for them that we can work towards a better future for our grandchildren. And life and nature has an amazing way of going through trauma, but renewing itself. Remember, you are a part of that environment. And most importantly, we are water. And when I'm lost, I go to water. And water is living. Water speaks. Water is a force. Water carves hills and valleys. Water creates those exquisite cliffs and landscapes along the ocean that we love to take pictures of. Water is fortitude. Water keeps moving forward. And when all the rivers and the creeks and the tributaries of water merge and create the Niagara Falls, the force is incredible. Remember, we too are water. When you're lost, go back to that and you'll find the strength and fortitude to keep going. Beautifully said. In an effort to build a better future, what should everyone be doing? Our listeners are mission-driven, they're passionate, they want to do the right thing, they want to make change. So what should everyone take with them after this interview where they can take action tomorrow 
that can help make a difference with regards to the water crisis? Uh, well, though these you ask great questions. I mean, so it would just, it's definitely going to depend on the person and where you live and stuff. But walk away today, and if you're uncertain of anything, be still. When you're still, you can actually hear yourself think. You can actually feel your heartbeat. You can actually feel the nervous butterflies in the stomach. You can actually hear that voice that's like keeps like knocking at you, but you're not paying attention. Uh, and listen to that, what it is that you think you need to pay attention to and do that. So we're, everyone can walk away today thinking, I could do this, I could do that, I could do that. I really encourage you, go somewhere in nature and just be still for a minute. Really. Just listen. Listen. Observe. <laughs> I mean, you know, I have of late gone back to something that instinctually I learned to do as a child. I was born and raised in Kansas. And when I was lost, I would go to nature. And I would just be still and I could hear things. I could feel things like I would begin to observe air pressures changing. Oh, maybe a storm is coming. Oh, let me observe the sky. Sure enough, thunderheads are out there. Oh, let me run back in the house. Yep, sure enough, there's that little tornado symbol down in the corner. Something's coming. But I began to observe the animals and nature and what it was doing. They weren't running around out in the storm going nuts. They were still. The crickets weren't chirping. They were making their little sounds. The birds were quiet. Cattle would actually circle their babies. They would go into their dens. And they would take protection, observe, know what to do, also knowing the storm would pass. And I think that there's a moment for us to do that right now, especially if you're uncertain what to do tomorrow. If you'll reconnect to the environment and be still, the message will come to you. And I know that sounds very dee dee dee, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it's true. We are energy. We are people. We are human. We are flawed. We are so many things. And we're so busy doing this over here and that over there that we've stopped if we don't stop to internalize again, this heartbeat, this rhythm, this energy, this love, this instinct that we have, you have to take that moment for self-renewal to find that motivation to come out tomorrow and go, okay, you know what? I'm curious about my water. I'm going to get my water quality report. Uh, oh, I'm frustrated about this over here. You know what? I'm going to find out the next city council meeting, whatever it may be. And it could be different for everyone. Just recognize it and find it and, and take that one task and see it through to the end. It, it may take two years, but stay with it. That's one thing. Stay in the game. You can pick a ball up and drop it. You can fumble. You, you can pick it back up. You can pick up more yards You've just got to put it into action. If you stumble and fall, take that break, reassess, re-strategize, reboot, reset, reorganize, and go at it again tomorrow. That's the key. I love it. Aaron, thank you so much. You're welcome. You know, 
sometimes I sit here and talk and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, did I just, it's so overwhelming. I, I, I will say if you have a chance, Superman's not coming. It's a good read. It's a good how-to. I also have a great newsletter that I, I like to think of, The Truth Unfiltered. And it's called the Brockovich Report. It's on Substack. But it's a great place to visit every week and see things from real people experiencing these real problems and their real life dramas and triumphs. And you can learn so much from them as well. And so the Brockovich Report, check in and don't be afraid to be informed, ask questions, get involved. And I will forever believe, and I will always be an optimist. This storm that we're in, and it's a shit show of all kinds. If we wake up, and I think we are waking up, and we get organized and collectively work together, we're going to find our way out of this. But having said that, it will require some work. It will require some sacrifice. There will be frustration. There will be those days. Take a break. Never give up. Never quit. Go at it again tomorrow. And, and we're going to get there. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs>